Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in to another edition of The Day After. I'm Tommy Ashley. That's Buck Sanders and Jason Staples. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We were kind of talking on off air before we got in here, and uh, we said if there's one thing we know, we know about doing day after podcast after bad defensive performances. Um, got a little rusty up to the Virginia game, but now we're in midseason form here. Your overall thoughts on what we just watched just 12 short hours ago? Yeah, yeah. If you don't know. Uh, if you don't think that we know how to talk about bad defense, you just have not been a UNC uh, person very, very long. Um, and that was bad defense. And I, I'm going to go here just right off the top that uh, there were a lot of things that um, could and should get cleaned up from that game, offensively and defensively. Well, they weren't perfect on uh, on offense at all. And in addition to that, uh you know, I'm not one that generally uh, likes to beat up on the zebras any, and I'm not really going to beat up on them much now. But there was a couple of uh, momentum-killing penalties that uh, North Carolina got flagged for that didn't look like any different from some of the plays that uh, Georgia Tech did not get flagged for. I'll put it that way. But um, I'll go on to say that even if, they got all of that corrected. They still would have lost to Georgia Tech because the defense was that bad. Indeed it was. It was that, it was that bad. And let me give you my synopsis of how bad it was. I, I hope I've got this in a handy little blurb here. Uh, in, the, in the second quarter, Georgia Tech was 14 of 14 in passing for 272 yards, three touchdowns, and average 19.4 yards per attempt. In the fourth quarter, they ran it for 22 times, 265 yards, and averaged 11.2 yards per attempt rushing. In those two quarters, they scored the entirety of their 46 points, rolled up 537 yards of offense, and converted six out of seven third down attempts and they ran five, 50 of their 78 offensive plays of the night. Two quarters, they they did enough to beat North Carolina for the entire game. Uh, so that's how bad the defense was, and Georgia Tech could do whatever they wanted. North Carolina wasn't getting any pressure on, uh, of course, Georgia Tech is good at avoiding pressure. Um, they've only given up seven sacks all year. They're now, I think, eighth in the nation in terms of sacks allowed. Still, not a single quarterback pressure on the night or quarterback hurry that they record. I don't know what the PFF numbers are for pressures. Yeah, they had at least one because Evans had the one where he flushed the quarterback and you know turned into a no gain. But one. Yeah, one. Yeah, so I I don't know exactly what those uh, PFF numbers are, but uh, Georgia Tech was just free to operate however they wanted. The defensive line could not get any pressure. Uh, 
they didn't have a plan to get pressure on King from any other direction. It didn't seem to me. Um, so as bad as it, as the defense was, none of those other things we talked about, the, the penalties and whatnot, would have made any difference. North Carolina still loses this game. Yeah, but pull the mic a little bit closer. Um, when we mic checked, you had it up there. But, Jason, I'm going to get you in here. Um, yeah, there were some penalties and all that. But the bottom line is is that the North Carolina's defense is a travesty. I mean, they, they showed signs of life in games one through six. There were some cracks by App State. And, and Buck mentioned Virginia set the blueprint. I think App State set the blueprint even before that. I mean, dudes were running free, and they talk about when they played great defense in the third quarter, uh, Georgia Tech had the ball for a minute, a little over a minute in the third quarter. I mean, it's great when you play defense for a minute. That fourth quarter – App State has company. You know, Mac was asked about it. I think Adam asked and, and AJ asked in, in post game. But unbelievable. And I liked your insight on our side chats about what was going on there. But just overall right now, before we detail it, any words for what we saw last night? Well, first of all, I do want to I do want to be fair, uh, as Buck was. I do think that the, uh, the phantom hold on Diego Pounds did change the course of the game. Uh, cause that was a game, what was a 30, 38 yard gain. They were in position to go up three scores and then that ends that drive. And then, then Georgia tech scores to cut it to one score. That is, that is a play that, that has significant impact on the overall game. Cause you do wonder, okay, well, what happens if, if they do go up three scores and you know, you go up three, it's a big difference, et cetera. But like Buck, my, my end conclusion is, well, then they did just scored another touchdown. They'd have found another way. Because in the fourth quarter, the only reason they didn't score on that last drive is because they 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 could kneel. I mean, third and three, opportunity to to get a stop for the defense, and the back only went down because they didn't need to score. <laughs> he could have scored right there. So, yeah, this was this was, I think, in a lot of ways, this defensive performance was worse than what we saw at App State last year. Which interesting, and especially at this stage of the year, because with App State last year, I mean, it was just they, they, there were busts, right? There there were a variety of busts where guys just uh, weren't in the right spot. It's the it was the what was it the second game under under a new coordinator or is it the third? Uh, App State was second. Yeah, it was the second game. So second game under a new coordinator, you had some busts, you had some, you know, missed assignments here and all that. I didn't see a ton of missed assignments out there. I just saw a defense just getting absolutely dominated. And in both phases, so they got beat in the passing game in the in the uh in in the second quarter, like Buck said, and then in the fourth quarter they got just run over so this was not a matter of like against app state it was you know a few big plays that were partly the result of some of some missed assignments you know just kind of apocalyptic kind of thing that happened in this one it was it was one of those things where you you knew like this defense they, they kept saying in the broadcast oh you know they're gassed they are tired why you played. They held the ball longer than uh, Tech did. Yeah, I mean, you played time of possession. Yeah. yeah, you played five plays in the third quarter. You shouldn't be tired. The reason they were tired is because Georgia Tech was beaten. Was was uh, wearing their ass out. Yeah, yeah. You you, you, you said you said <laughs> it. Yeah, they were they were they were getting worn out up front, and they looked tired because they were just getting getting destroyed at the point of attack. And yeah, that gets tiring, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, eighth play of a drive when you're, you know, getting driven back. Yeah, you're, you look tired. But this was, yeah, this was, I think, in, in a lot of ways worse. And when this is happening at this stage of a, a defensive staff being, being in place, at this stage of having, 
you know, the recruits that you've actually recruited over the last few years on campus, this is the kind of performance, especially paired with last week. This is not a one-off. When you get this sort of thing, this is the sort of thing that requires, that, that does not suggest that you might need to. It's the thing, the sort of thing that requires that you need to make some changes. Like, almost immediately. I remember, Buck, I remember being here doing this show after, what was it, 70 that ECU put up in Greenville. And I said, I think some people need to be left down there. And, oh, this was one of those. And Uber home. Um, well, they didn't have Uber back then. I think I think I might have said Greyhound bus. And you Jason, did. you, you, <laughs> Buck. Let's sort of this put it in perspective. Firing type type situation. Yeah, I, I mean, for for this team to go from top ten two weeks ago, we did a podcast two weeks ago, and we were talking about playoffs. We were talking about. High rankings. <laughs> we were talking about high rankings, <laughs> and then Virginia happens. And quite frankly, I thought, and Buck, I want your thoughts here. I thought that after the Virginia game, it would set them up better to play Georgia Tech simply because this old team, they get, it clicks. You can't be soft. You can't do this. And then they just double down on it. And that was, you remember, that was the concern that, that, that both Greg and I brought up in the chat. And we both brought it up in, in in the game plan podcast, and we had a lot more to say after we after we finished recording. Uh, could have put some of that on air, but it was probably a little bit too uh, spicy for 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 air at the time about what our potential concerns were, and every one of them came out in this game. And yep. yeah, it was just the same old soft Carolina, same old soft Tar Heels. Yeah. At this point in the season, Buck, uh, perspective. We were talking numbers, like number of plays and whatnot for Georgia Tech. We can talk about the 260-plus in the fourth quarter, but I think the number of plays that Georgia Tech was able to run, given what they've been doing, is, is pretty startling. It is. Uh, I was, we were talking off air, and the three games prior to last night, they averaged running 60.7 plays per game. Some of that is just pure intentional. You know, they just take their time uh, because their defense is not very good. Their offense is pretty good. And so as we saw last night, their defense has got some issues. So they take their time running that ball, playing keep away, and, and thinking they have the more explosive offense. They can get more out of their offense than you can get out of yours. That's their sort of their entire philosophy. But last night, instead of running 60 plays, they ran 78. Again, intentional. And that was a blueprint provided by the Virginia game. Virginia had a bye week, came in and said, hey, here's what we'll do. We'll run as fast as we possibly can without tripping over, over our own feet. And we'll force North Carolina's defense to adjust quickly play to play. And that's something that both Virginia and now Georgia Tech has proven that North Carolina can't do. If you don't give that defense time to get set, they're not going to play well. They may not play well anyway, but uh, the issue is going to be they're not going to get set. They're going to have 12 men on the field. They didn't last night. I don't think they got a penalty for that. But you could see that there, there was confusion. There was not certainty. They weren't comfortable um, where, what they were doing, what their assignment was, they just did not look at all comfortable um, when they didn't have time to get set. So I, I think that's the big reason uh, that they had the most trouble with Georgia Tech is because Virginia showed them how to do it. And that that's just go fast. Don't give uh, North Carolina time to figure out what they're doing. Thing yep. is, I'm gonna I'm gonna build on that for a second. Thing is, it's not just about not being set. It's not just about uh, not knowing what you're doing. The thing that I notice is, as soon as teams go tempo, the defensive tackles in particular, they lose their burst and their edge within about two or three plays of the of the drive. Mm -hmm. So 
and you know you'll have people talk about this with with Brian Hess as the strength and condition conditioning coach. That's not a strength and conditioning coach issue. That's an in season conditioning issue. And what that tells me is that the practice tempo is too slow in individual drills, in you know what they're expecting these guys to do in terms of maintaining the overall level of conditioning play to play on explosiveness and that sort of thing that you have to maintain in practice. This is in order to have a, in order to have a, you know, it used to be that, you know, teams would, would run gassers after every practice. You know, I I've run more gassers in my life than, <laughs> than, uh, you know, I care to think about, but the, the, there's a better way to do it. And the best teams all do it this way. The idea is we condition in practice. You hear that from a lot of, a lot of good, good coaches now where uh, the idea is the tempo of the practice is so high that your defensive tackles, your offensive line, those guys, they're going at it so hard with so much effort, three and four plays at a time, and, you know, with high tempo and all of that in the demands of the sorts of things that they're going to be asked to do during the game, that when they get into the game, they can actually maintain that level of, uh, of intensity play to play. And I just don't see a whole lot. And this is the, this is really, I think the root issue here, if we're talking about this, I don't see the, and we talked about this for how long with North Carolina, I don't see the, the the base level intensity play after play and, and it starts with the team on the defensive line and especially at defensive tackle. I don't see that level of uh, how did I put it a couple of years ago? When you watch Georgia, you watch a team that doesn't want to beat you, right? They want to humiliate you, first of all. But they are absolutely play in, play out, selling out to win that play. And you see those defensive defensive linemen in general just working that that way. I don't see, and this is not a defensive line coach issue. This is a program issue in terms of the overall level of intensity that you have to demand from those guys up front. And Tommy, I remember during uh during preseason, you pointed at Travis Shaw who had, you know, pulled himself out a couple times and gone down to a knee. And you're like, man, just so soft because, you know, he just was not, he didn't have the intensity level to sustain like two or three plays in a row, even in the drills that they were doing. And those were not real high intensity drills, as you recall. And we both kind of circled that moment as a, remember this later in the year, if, you know, if there's problems on the interior, but that's what we're seeing is we're seeing, you know, Miles Murphy, I could probably pull seven different plays where he's four yards downfield, just sort of stood up, kind of lazily stood up, got pushed back into the linebackers as the back is is flying upfield through that gap. That's supposed to be your 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 difference maker, your bell cow defensive tackle. But the lack of of urgency and intensity from him. And especially in the fourth quarter, when the game was on, when you expect him to be able to, to, to split a double team, you expect your defensive tackle to be able to make a play. You didn't get one from him. You didn't get one from Tomon Fox. You didn't get one from any of those defensive tackles that were in there. They just went backwards and they looked tired because you get three, three plays into any drive and, and they're, they are tired and yeah, that's that that to me is a system a program issue much more than it is a single coach a single coach issue yeah i agree with that i, I mean a, a couple of those you know, georgia tech plays they just washed the defensive middle out of the way and what's interesting to me and i don't feel like we need to talk about the offense much at all i mean average game, eight yards a play yeah you put up that uh, i mean you cannot say the offense lost this game. Were there plays that they should have made? Certainly. But what they did was plenty. But one thing I will talk about, they ran the ball up the middle against Georgia Tech all day. 
and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they had a large majority of their Russian up the middle. And then the, for the, whatever the reason... Yeah, TV broadcasts had up a graphic, and it would, at the time they had like maybe 40 yards or so on either side of the middle on the left or the right, and they had like 160 up the middle. Yeah. And, and what did they do on a critical third down... Late in the game. Omarion Hampton is running east and west, and they lose yardage or, or no gain and end up having to punt, and it gets Georgia State back in it. That's my only beef with the offense. Let, let me the, jump here, in here, the, Tommy. Go ahead. Let me jump in a second. Uh, I'm, I would have to go back and look at that play. I think I've looked at it twice. And what I saw was – Hampton was going to go to the middle of the uh, okay. Georgia Tech line. There were two Georgia Tech players coming right at him, running free, unblocked. You know, and so he had no choice but to take it outside or get you know a tackle for loss in the backfield. That's how I saw it. And Jason, uh, sounds like you saw the same thing. Well, good. Yeah, I've been corrected, so I have no beefs with yeah, the offense. That was an outside zone play that was designed to cut back the same way that they'd cut back early in the game. The difference was that in early in the game, Georgia Tech was getting washed on that play, and, and Hampton was able to just take that and you know cut back exactly as you're supposed to. You remember, the outside zone play is the Terrell Davis play from from you know the the late '90s. Uh, Broncos. Who was that guy? Alex, somebody that was the great Alex offensive Gibbs. line. Gibbs. Gibbs. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's the it's the traditional Alex Gibbs play where offensive line gets the gets the line of scrimmage moving a little bit. And then the, the goal of this run, if you block it right, is you start out aimed towards the, the tackle of the play side, and then as soon as a seam opens up, you you hit that, you stick that foot in the ground and get downhill quick, cut back. And they got they did that well in the first half, and here's the thing. And I know. Okay, so we're we're I'm, this is a podcast where there's a lot of a lot of North Carolina fans in the chat, so that we're going to talk about something that I know is is unusual, and you may not think it's legal, but Georgia Tech adjusted to getting beat up front there in some of those things and ultimately was able to start getting penetration and starting to win on the, on the defensive line as the game went on. And so Carolina tried to adjust back offensively, but here's the thing the other, where I was going to go with this too is second half. All right. So I'm just going to go to um, third quarter and beyond runs. Okay. Hampton up the middle six, uh, Hampton up the middle five Hampton to the right for five Hampton up the middle for seven. And now's where things start to change after the next couple uh, Hampton up the middle for three, then Hampton up the middle for 10 Hampton up the middle for five. Now to the left for nine up the middle for two up the middle for two up the, uh, to the right for no gain up the middle for three in the fourth quarter up the middle for nothing and then rush to the right, which is, again, uh, it's just an outside zone play that's supposed to cut back. The issue is you had two front side blockers there that, ha that got beat across their face. And that started happening. You notice how as that, 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 that third and fourth quarter started going, started going from rush for six, rush for seven, rush for eight, to rush for two, rush for three, rush for no gain. And Chip Lindsey, at that point, started – making some adjustments a little bit to what they were doing offensively. And I think it was the right decision to make in terms of what they, what they did. And I have no issue with what the offense did in this game in that, in that respect, they averaged eight yards of play and scored 42 points and lost the game to a team that had not scored over, over 30 points against power five competition this year, except in their, their opening power five game against Bandy. Right, the most that that Georgia Tech had scored all season coming into, into this game against a Power Five team was 38 points against Vandy. 
They did not score over 30 points against anybody else. Okay? You score 42 points, average eight yards a play against that team, you should win that game. That is not on the offense. And the thing is, the offense was also in position to take the lead again. But a great hit on, and it was a fully legal hit. I've seen some people questioning that. It was a completely legal hit on Tez Walker, which, you know, uh, prayers up for the young man. I, I, ho- I hope he's he's doing fine. Um, that looked like the kind of hit where, you know, you could break a rib for sure, a couple. But, you know, where that is on the left side, my, my thought first goes to spleen. Uh, and, you know, I hope that that's not the case. I, I hope he's, he's doing fine. Uh, you know, but it was a hard enough hit. You know, you could get a collapsed lung from that sort of hit. I mean, there's, there's a variety of different things that can happen there. And, uh, and, you know, that if, if he doesn't take that shot, Carolina almost certainly scores and goes ahead. And then we're, you know, talking a little bit differently about, uh, Georgia tech managing to drive the field in a minute and a half without passing the football, uh, on that final drive to go ahead and win the game, you know, 53 to, to 49, right. That's what we'd be talking about instead of, instead of the current situation, because they'd have just run the football for, you know, 14, 15, 18, you know, 60 yards of play on that last drive. I, I I'm just, you remember this after, after we cut, stop broadcasting in the, in the game plan, Tommy, how Greg and I were talking about this, our frustration of hearing, that, well, you know, all that time that they, you know, the time of possession disadvantage against Virginia and how, you know, they, the real issue is they need to run the football on offense so that the defense is protected and all of this other stuff. And you remember how we were both frustrated talking about that off air because both of us had the same reaction, which is the offense doesn't stop anybody. This is not basketball. Right. Yep. This is not basketball where possessing the ball means that like you're you're essentially playing defense with your offense, especially when you've got a good offense. You don't go to like you don't play Virginia in basketball and say, wow, they're really, you know, possessing the ball a lot on on their side of the ball. The best answer would be to slow the game down so that they can't possess the ball as long. So you want to play a game in the 30s against Virginia in basketball? That's a terrible idea. They're gonna win that every time. You have a you have a, an offense and the ability to get out and run. You need to try to take control of the game and make it into a track meet, so that they can't comfortably just possess the ball and do what they want to do. You want to you want to win that style matchup. And blaming last week, blaming the offense for the defense not being able to get off the field was the issue. And the fact of the matter is, if you're facing a bunch of plays on defense, and you're starting to get tired. And you're you're having issues with you know time of possession, which time of possession is a is a after effect, not a primary effect. You don't try to win time of possession. The issue is, it's not that your offense isn't holding the ball more. If Carolina had held the ball longer in this one, they wouldn't have won the game. They would have just scored fewer points. You get you get you gain your your defense earns rest by getting itself off the field. The reason the defense faced a bunch of plays is because they didn't get off the field. They didn't get stops. When you don't get stops, you stay on the field. It's real simple. That's one of the things that absolutely drives me crazy, if you can't tell. and I have one one caveat to that I'd like to talk about. Let me, Uh, can I I take a break and then come back after the break and let's keep rolling. Folks, I saw somebody in the chat say something I didn't like. And I'm going to talk about Johnny T-shirt, and you're going to wear that Johnny T-shirt gear when you buy it. It is important to Johnny T-shirt. It is important to Inside Carolina. This, this hat is Johnny T-shirt, by uh, the way. It's a pretty mm. sweet one. State yeah, of North Carolina a, flag right there hat. on there. Uh, it is uh, imperative that you shop at Johnny T-shirt to get your North Carolina gear. They're supporters of the podcast, supporters of Inside Carolina, and supporters of Inside Carolina premium subscribers. Whether it's a good day or a bad day, it's always a great day to go to Johnny T-Shirt and buy whatever you need North Carolina-related. If it's not a football-related item, they've got you covered on every other sport out there. Basketball season, somebody pointed out, basketball starts next Monday. Uh, If you don't have any gear for that, get it ready. It's Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. You get 10% off your order if you're the premium subscriber. And I'm going to tell you something. Jason's going to have some film breakdowns. 
that are probably going to make you sick. But you get them if you're on if you're on Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, and it'll be worth watching to see the why and it's the how. It's just a question of which one, because it could be thirty. I want to see them all, and Johnny T-shirt gives you that ten percent off, and you get to watch Jason's stuff. National guys pay the bills. will come back the day after. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Whew, okay, fellas, we're back. Buck, you had a point, and I jumped in and stopped you. I want to get no, it on. Okay. I want to get yeah. you back on that, and I do want to make one correction. Uh, Louisville's Georgia Tech scored thirty-four on Louisville to start the season. They have not scored over thirty. I don't. They didn't play Vandy this year. You're talking about Vandy. I don't know if I fell. A, oh, what? Hold on. Fell what asleep. Was it? Was it, it was Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. They lost Louisville thirty-nine, thirty-four. Other than that, they have not scored uh, thirty points or more. Uh, Buck, get in here with your comment. Shout out yeah. to the 500 folks in here as well. Uh, the uh, the the point I was going to follow up with uh, Jason on is I thought uh, Georgia Tech had uh, got the ability to run a few more plays than they should have, particularly at the end of the first half. Uh, when North Carolina was driving down uh, to go up 28 to 21, uh, they left 45 seconds on the clock that they had no business leaving. They could, they could have snapped the ball another 10 seconds, um, you know, let a little ticket seconds run before they snapped the ball. And there were, they had multiple opportunities to burn some clock on that drive and they didn't. I know that it's imperative to them to get in the end zone and they want to do it as quickly as they can. But at the same time, they left 45 seconds to a Georgia Tech team that was running up and down the field, throwing the ball, and you had to figure that they were going to get you know enough uh, yards in 45 seconds to kick a field goal, the way they were moving the, the ball. 100% agree there. And that's one of those cases where you do, you, you have to, you have to clock manage properly in that case. Absolutely. And they and, gotta have and, some and situational they, awareness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They, they snapped yeah. the ball with 28 seconds left on the clock. If I remember right on the, on the, on one of those plays where there's 44 seconds left or whatever. And it's one of those like, no, look, you make sure that you're the last team to score. This is a, in, in the analogous situation is you want to play with as fast a tempo against Virginia def- uh, uh, in basketball as you can. But if you get to the end of half and the shot clock is, is, off. you know, is off, you want to get the last shot that, that changes the math. 
when you get into that situation, you get the last shot there. You try to two for one it if if, if you can, uh, just before that happens. You, you know that's where some of that that clock stuff comes into 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 play, where you can you know reduce a a, a um, you can reduce the number of possessions that your opponent gets. So one hundred percent agree there. But beyond that, I mean, my goodness, I, I get your point too. Yeah. But I'm just saying, there's a, a time and a place yeah. to to slow it down if you need to, you know, 100% so. agree. But the problem though, is when they've slowed it down, they haven't been effective. Jason. I mean, they, their four minute offense has not been good. They're, yeah. 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 But I, I think in that situation, pre half, uh, you know, just before the half, you know, your, your first priority is to score a touchdown, but you, you should be able to score a touchdown there the way they were running it, the way they were doing their stuff without snapping it with 28 seconds left on the clock. You can, yeah. you can bleed another, you know, 10, 12, 14 seconds off, and it makes a difference. Yeah. Snap count article dropped on Inside Carolina. Shout out to Ben for getting that up while we're still here. Defensive line, and this is where I thought North Carolina was dominated. Cayman Rucker, 78. Desmond Evans, 50. Murphy, 45. Tamari Fox, 42. Hester, 28. 27 for Ritzy. 26 for Bo Atkinson. I think that's probably his season high. Gainer, 13. Travis Shaw, 10. Of course, Eccles and Gray both with 81 at linebacker. Elijah Huzzy with 81. And, and of all those guys, the guy that, that played the, looking the least tired down the stretch was Cayman Rucker. He's the guy with the most plays. Yeah. You know, th those defensive tackles, you're looking at Murphy, Fox, Esther, Ritzy, that group, they all look like they played 60 snaps, 70 snaps in the early fourth quarter. And that's when Georgia Tech, in the fourth quarter alone, Georgia Tech rushed for 246. Ran 22 total play or 22 rushes for 11.2 yards a carry. Buck, I guess, you know, North Carolina's now Travis six and Shaw, two. Travis Shaw, your, your five-star with 10 snaps at this stage of his career, that, that's, that speaks volumes in a game where you can't stop the run. That, that, that just says a lot. Yeah. That's – it's – yeah, I agree with that. It's um, a little bit mind-boggling. But we're, we're to now, elder statesman. Uh, I mean, I'm there with well, you. I, I've been here before, I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> We've been uh, here before. And, and, you know, we're not the only ones. Mac Brown has been there before. Uh, 2013, <laughs> Manny Diaz, second game of the season, gave up 550 yards rushing to BYU who is not known for uh, necessarily for their uh, running expertise. And Manny's doing a great job at Penn State right now. Uh, but they gave up, uh, I think the total was 6.79 to BYU. They gave up 6.30-something to uh, uh, Georgia Tech uh, yesterday. So you think that... That 50 yards or so gives Gene Chizik a cushion. You know, uh, he he didn't surpass Manny. Uh, I mean, it's just it just boggles the mind that you can give up 630 some yards to Georgia Tech. I think they had like 200 yards against Miami, and that's the crazy part. When we were talking about uh, playoffs and all of that kind of stuff uh, two days ago. They were just coming off a really good win over a decent Miami team. They're a good team, I think. Um, they have issues like everybody else, but that's a decent team. And they very nearly um, lost to Virginia yesterday. They very too. nearly lost Virginia. Virginia's apparently woken up since uh, they played us. They got the boost to play in North Carolina's defense. Um, so where do you go? I don't know. But I will say that. If it's the defense that's the problem, and I think yet the last night was the clearest indication that what ails uh, the North Carolina football program is the defense. Now, last year when North Carolina went into its slump, uh, they Georgia Tech beat them twenty-one to seventeen in a rock fight where neither team could do anything on offense. Um, this year, completely different. And 
A lot of people would, would argue last year, I, I wasn't one that made this argument, that the defense really came on and really played a lot better down the stretch. Uh, but uh, that's not the case this year. The offense is still playing well. The offense is still playing well. They're, they're 42 points should be enough to win a Power 5 football game. Um, all other things considered. So if you can't win a football game scoring 42 points, you yourself had over 500 yards of total offense. What are we doing? You know, you, you got to get somebody in the way of the other offense and the, our defense is not doing it. And somebody, we talk about accountability all the time. The coaching staff talks about accountability all the time. You got to ask, where's the accountability? Yep. Jason, uh, get you in here. Uh, almost 500 people in the chat. I think folks want to be in here for the rest of this discussion. It's going to be interesting. When I'm looking at the stats, talking about the off back to the offense just for one second. Run the damn football. North Carolina, 267. Drake May, 310. North Carolina, 577 overall. Third downs for North Carolina's offense, 9 for 15. Average yards completion, 18.2. Gave up too many sacks. Gave up too many penalties. I think they lost 51 yards on penalties, and we've talked about a couple of them that were either phantom and bad. Turnover margin, even. Yeah, but, well, Walker. the turnover margin is even, but there was the block punt. Yeah, the block you remember, punt is – You remember in the, in the, uh, in the WCHL segment that we talked – I'd said the way I always calculate this is that it's, you know, special teams explosives or, you know, special teams, whiskey, tango, foxtrots uh, ver and, and uh, turnovers that have to be considered together. And I felt like Georgia Tech needed to be at least plus one in that to win. Most likely they went plus one yeah. with the with the with the blocked uh, with the block punt. And here's the thing. That's the third block punt this season from the same punt formation, all of which traced to, you know, something with the shield there on that, on that punt formation. Something about what they say about insanity. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, that was a serious mistake. Um, that, yeah, I, I, I'll probably need to break that one down, but, um, but yeah, that, uh, that was bad, but yeah, you were gonna you're gonna say more. Well, no, I want to get in here. I'm gonna do the congruity read because we're gonna wrap this one up a little bit early and let folks get out on their Sunday. Congruity is the other sponsor of this podcast. They're great for small and mid sized businesses. They're North Carolina based. Uh, you got great customer service. You know it. You can be upset at football and all, but when the real life comes around on Monday mornings, you got to handle your business on your business or your small business, or if you work for a small business. And Congruity empowers those small and mid-sized businesses with HR, payroll, outsourcing. It enables you as a business owner to grow your business while they take care of those people. And people are the most important folks of the uh, of the day. I mean, if it, if you don't have pe good people around you, you're probably going to lose some things you shouldn't lose. You lose football games. You lose business. Congruity takes care of all that. And they do it with top-of-the-line technology. They grow your business on state-of-the-art online platform and they're obsessed with customer service as they should be and as they are and they transform your organization go to congruityhr.com front slash tar heels to get your free assessment see what they can do for you inside carolina and and of this podcast and of this video you get a free assessment and we all like free stuff congruity hooks you up with a free assessment congruityhr.com front slash tar heels jason we are winding down. It's 41-41 as I look. So we've been doing this for 41 minutes. And we've talked a lot about the defense, some about the offense, some about special teams now. What's left, as Buck always says, what's left on this bone to pick at? Well, I can get us to 46. All right. <laughs> I will uh, disregard the hourglass for you to go. Knock it out. The thing that, that was the, the cherry on top for me in this game, and folks who follow me on Twitter know I went off on this on Twitter. What or I guess X, whatever it is now. You um, still have to type Twitter 
to get to X. It makes Whatever. no sense. But the point. I am thoroughly baffled on how with two minutes and 50 seconds or whatever it was at, at the beginning of that final drive, how you send out a nickel personnel defense. Every, not only every person in the stadium, but every person watching that game on television, every person listening to that game on the radio knew that Georgia Tech was going to run the football there. Right? All they needed to do is get a first down, and they're in position to win the game. You get two first downs, and you definitely win it. And to that point in the fourth quarter, they were averaging almost, they were averaging what, 12 yards a rush. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that, it, you know, for those of you, you know, college football or Madden, you know, fans, you know, those of you who've played that, this is the, this is the moment in that kind of situation where you call punt block. We all, you all know that, right? Absolutely. You know, back at the old school punt block where, you know, you, you just decide you're going to, you're going to bring pressure from everywhere. And yeah, you know, if, the, if they can get the pass off, then, then they're going to score. But everybody had the experience in that game where you just call punt block and you're just saying, okay, well, you know, one of us, one of us is going to make a big play here. I, I, they ran out the same personnel that had just been given up 12 yards of carry. and played it for coverage. You know, there for a minute, I thought Jason had run out of words. I was, I was going to fall over in my chair. No, um, I, like I'm like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. Right. I mean, I, like when I was watching this, it's like, what, what is going on? Why are they doing this? Because if that's, this is where you have to have a plan for end of game scenario here. When a team, when you know a team is, is almost certainly going to go, go run heavy. You have to have a plan prepared. This is something you work on in camp of, okay, here's our package where we're going to make it so that they're going to have to throw it to beat us. And to me, you, you you take off you, maybe you take out one of those one of those uh if you really feel like okay well we can't take off you know one of our corners because they're in three wide fine then take out one of your safeties okay take out one of your safeties have one of your corners now lined up as technically a safety by position and just put him there in in press and let him play man and zero that leave your best run run fit safety on the field and then go five man five man uh, uh, defensive line, you know. Bring Amari Gainer on the field, say at one of the edges, or maybe go with a third defensive tackle. Although you know, it seems like seems to me that the more defensive tackles you get out there for North Carolina, the more likely you have you are to get pushed around right now. But you know, go bare, cover up the, the the center and both guards. Say you are not running the ball between the tackles. Ha have your have your two outside backers lined up outside bring that extra safety in the box and say, look, if you're going to go three wide, that's fine. You know what? We're going to single cover you. You're going to have to actually beat our corners. And yes, you've beaten our corners so far today. But the one thing you ain't doing is running the football so that you can run the clock and just have no problems. No, get your stop. If it's an incomplete pass, now under two minutes at least, the, the clock's going to stop and you got a chance. I'm just I I was I, I was absolutely I, I was at a loss watching that. I, I don't understand that. And when I saw that, it was like th this is this is something that you know I, you, you've got to make changes at that point. You yeah. can't you can't play that way. You can't have. And by the way, the last couple runs where they where they did get those first downs, so they got third and three what twice, the third and two twice in that situation. Go back and look. 
And it's a it's a safety, not filling. For uh, the record, to put on the record, Georgia Tech takes over at 2.54 after Tez uh, got hit and fumbled. Smith up the middle, three. Timeout, Carolina. Keeper, King, left, six. Timeout, Carolina. Smith up the middle, three. Smith up the middle, four. Timeout, Carolina. Keeper, King up the middle, three. Timeout, Georgia Tech on third and three. Ball game at hand. Smith up the middle, six, and he slid down, if my memory serves. He did. He could have scored on that play. Ball game. Meanwhile, North Carolina is still in the nickel package. In nickel. You know, I, what, I, you know what it reminded me of, Buck? Do you remember at Miami, I think it was during the Fedora era, and we talked about this a lot, and Jason, I remember talking about this with you. Yeah. Miami's got like first and goal at the one, and Carolina was in dime. They were in dime. Yeah. And yeah. remember, Miami had a jumbo yeah. package on the field. <laughs> yeah. So you had 180-pound corners. We, we know how to again. talk about bad defense. We've, it's not our first rodeo. Yeah, I, I think I, something's got to change. Something has got to change. Yeah. Uh, it is, or same it's going to be an ugly. You, it's, you know, the, the labels for this for this show, same old soft Tar Heels. And, you know, you can take North Carolina out of the uh, – uh, you're, you can take North Carolina out of the coastal, but you can't take the coastal out of North Carolina. But close us out. We're going to get uh, out of here, here before here, the hour. Here's, here's – this is really a question more so than a comment. Uh, having watched uh, the defense this year and all the time, uh, it seems to me like the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. There's there there is more talent on the team, and they flash. They show that they have physical a bit ability. Uh, and I'll give you an example, Don Chapman's interception. He showed tremendous reflexes and instincts to catch that ball in the first place. And then uh, showed the body control of a gymnast to stay, get a toe in bounds to make sure that the interception stuck. That was a heck of a play, a heck of a physical great play. And, and we see that a lot, uh, and uh, I still don't think we talk about this player enough, but Marcus Allen is a heck of a ball player. Long, he's got speed, he's a good tackler. Uh, he, he missed an angle on a, on a play or two, but he's got all the physical talent and the, and the ability you want in a, in a corner. He's a natural corner. Um, and then there's other guys, Sed Gray, Power Eccles, you know, there that, and there's some defensive linemen that flash. Des Evans made a great play during this game. That you can see the physical ability and the talent in the players that come out during a game, but when you get them together as eleven on the field, they just don't look coordinated. Is the word I'm looking for. Um, and so that, that's, that's, that's more of a question really, I think, than a, than a, uh, than a, an observation, but I, I think I'd kind of leave it there. And, and then we're soon, we're going to be talking about has Mac Brown lost the fan base? I saw that question pop up a couple of times in the comments. Hunter Pierce brought it up as one of the guys that wanted to talk about it, but. Um, are we there yet? Maybe we are. I don't know. But uh, those are some big questions um, that I think that one way or the other is going to get addressed, whether it's Mac Brown that does it or not. I think we're there on the fan base. I mean, a lot of people discount message boards. A lot of people discount social media, internet, and all that stuff. It is, you know, it's just kind of like it's not like that in the real world. Um, these are the diehards. These are the people that pour the money in, the people that are there, the people that are paying attention all the time, and you can see it. I think it's a microcosm of the of the hardcore fan base. And when the hardcore fan base goes south, 
Yeah, I, I think it's a little premature to talk about Mac having lost the fan base because, you know, you go and you beat Clemson, you beat NC State, you finish the year, you know, that way. And, you, you know, there's a pretty, pretty, there's pretty good opportunities for recovery. But I, I think it's going to take that to, to regain anything because these two losses were significant, uh, they were significant. They did significant damage to the to the overall fan base and and the 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 general ethos and feeling about the about the program as a whole. I mean, I was getting texts and things like, "Last time I trust North, you know, every year I start trusting them a little bit, and then the last time I trust them, you know, that sort of thing." Um, and it's hard to win football games, right? I mean, let's not forget they were they were struggling to win three games before Matt got here, but. You know, you're you're hoping that you can take that second, that next step this season with a generational quarterback. And you know, fact of the matter is, first month we talked about this. First five six games you played against teams that didn't really have good offenses, and so the defense looked better, just like they did down the stretch last year. Played against a lot of teams that were not as good on offense. Uh. And now, you know, in a couple games, still playing against teams that are not great on offense, but they were better, had some playmakers, and all of a sudden things the wheels come off. And, you know, that's 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 not good. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to figure some things out in order to beat those teams down the stretch. They still can, but you know, you go out and you lose both or even one of those two last two games and finish with, you know, three or four losses on the season after that start. And yeah, a lot of people have lost a lot of trust in the direction of the program, especially when that's you kind of expect a generational quarterback to kind of be a high high watermark for your program, knowing that next year, you know, obviously no announcements have been made or whatever, but you know next year you expect to play without a generational type quarterback. I mean, you go from Sam Howell and Drake May to whoever it's going to be next year, and you're going to expect a significant drop off at that position. And you know, where's the program going to be without that security blanket? Yeah, I, I, I'll let it be there. But great comments to close us, Jason. Great comments to close. A shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity for sponsoring us. Uh, we'll be back. Here's a little update on what we're doing this week. No on the beat on Tuesday night. It is Halloween night. Um, spend time with your families and all that stuff. We will sort of combine on the beat and the game plan ahead of Campbell on Thursday night. Uh, there'll be a couple... Taylor and, and Jeff Shopmore will drop their show and a couple basketball shows coast to coast and then a special a basketball podcast that will be out. Jason and I will talk on Thursday again, and then we'll be I See Live in the Bowls lot. Come out and join us at, at 9 a.m. in the Bowls lot. And if it's going according to plan, it'll be 25 degrees, and uh, the breakfast will be frozen, but we'll certainly be out there with Joey Powell and myself. Anything left, gentlemen? You know, one thing I would like to say, because you, you, you got to give shout-outs where they're due, I thought Doc Chapman was a real shot in the arm uh, for, the, for the offense. And, and his speed is a great uh, asset to have uh, at that position. Uh, it, it, running the punt back and, um, you know, that 35-yard uh, touchdown catch, I just he needs a shout-out, I think, uh, for a young player people may be sleeping on a bit. No, I agree with you. I mean, one thing that you can't do is you can't let the terrible get in the way of the good. And Doc Chapman was certainly good. And a lot of guys play good. A lot of good plays out there. Um, Tez Walker update, of course, inside Carolina, keep you up as much as possible. Um, Sean Crowley, I just dropped the schedule change. No on the beat. Everything else according to plan. And North Carolina football plays again Saturday against Campbell. The Camels come to town in a feel-good game. Not sure how much will be gained from it, but we shall find out. That's Buck Sanders. That's Jason Staples. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. It's been the day after North Carolina, a telling defeat down in Atlanta. Thanks, everybody. Atlanta, man.
What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner I. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.